Welcome to the Sold School Podcast. I'm your host, Will Mansour, and I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Sean Getty. What's up, Sean? Yeah, we're here, staying alive, man. Staying, staying alive. alive. You sound horrible, man. You you got like the the Getty the Gettysburg flu going on there from the in the old days. <laughs> Something like that. I was gonna say you can't see Sean, but this is how original this guy is. He's wearing a T-shirt that's got pezes on it. Remember the old Pez dispensers? And it's and it's and it's tie dye, which is even better. Like I think he actually, you know what? Let's not let's not kid ourselves, Sean. That shirt used to be white, and you put it in the wash with your pink shirt, and now it's tie dyed. Let's, let's be it, honest. It, it might have happened. We're struggling today, man. It's great that you said struggle because that's a good segue into what we're going to be talking about today, which is our beautiful Bank of Canada overnight interest rate hikes. Yesterday, we had a, a hike of 50 basis points, uh, and we're going to get into all that stuff today, and uh, we're going to share with you a bunch of different things that you can do as real estate agents to keep the momentum going for your buyers. But first, we're going to hear from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by the Guarantee success plan. This five-day training is off the charts. It will scale up your real estate business in just five days. I promise you. We have been working with the GSP program now since the beginning of 2020, and the results are off the charts amazing for every agent that has stuck to the program. We have agents that were making $20,000, $30,000 a year in GCI and are now over the 500000 GCI mark. It's fantastic. If you can commit to five days of training, just two hours a day, there's a link below in the description that'll give you access to day one. If you want access to the rest of the days, there's going to be a charge, but it's well worth your time and your investment. Check out the GSP. There's a link below where you can access the day one of our five-day training. It's unreal. It'll change your life. Time to level up your business. Sean uh, put his heart and soul into this for a year. I, I kind of I gave him a little bit of help because he needed days off, which he didn't want to take because Sean's a no days off kind of guy which I slap him around for often, but wait till his life changes with kids and Uber dads and stuff. And you're going to want days off, brother. Enough of that. Let's get into interest rates. So yesterday we had an overnight rate increase of 50 basis points. Uh, And I believe, and our listeners can correct me or you can, that is the second highest rate increase this year out of the seven with July being the first at one basis point. Yeah. Was there a 0.75? Was there a 75 basis point hike? There, there was a, there was a 75. Okay, so this was the third highest one, right? Basically, now, now for our listeners in Canada, uh, because and listen, Canada follows the Fed rate in the states. So if you're in the states listening to this, we appreciate you guys. But everything we're going to talk about today is relevant to you as well. We're just basically laying the foundation on the Canadian Bank of Canada uh, overnight rate, and that only applies to variable mortgages with fixed payments. Okay, these rate increases are applying to variable rate mortgages with fixed payments. Uh, so Sean, let's talk about this. Let's dig in. You're in a different market than me. What are you seeing out in your market? Yeah, for sure. And before we get started in this stuff, why this is important to listen to no matter what, whether it's like an interest rate increase period, an interest rate decrease period, if it's a year from now or two years from now, we're going to talk about the strategies of what you need to do and use when your market has a big shift. So whether it's shifting up or shifting down, I just want you guys to understand the concept of what you should be doing with your business, how you should be communicating to customers and clients, and how you can keep your business rolling so it doesn't freeze. So we're not only going to talk about this specific interest rate change, but we're also going to talk about strategies in general. Absolutely. Uh, This is a good listen 
forever. Yeah, this will be yeah. evergreen. Interest yeah. rates go up. They've been going up every month due to inflation. That's why the interest rates are going up to curb the inflation. You're a real estate agent representing a buyer, or representing a seller. Uh, let's let's talk about how interest rates first affect our markets on the on the buyers and seller side. Like if I'm a buyer and a seller, and I yeah. see these rates are going through the roof, my job is now changed as a real estate agent because you know a lot of buyers and sellers base everything they they know off the media propaganda so yeah so, so basically we- just to refresh i'm a buyer or seller rates have gone up and i'm freaking out right now how do you handle that as a real estate agent to your buyers and sellers absolutely so i think we have to understand a couple things first so we communicate that to our uh, buyers and sellers we were all expecting a 0.25 percent increase that's what the fed said a month ago right when they raised a 0.5 last time they said we wanted to raise a 0.75 but we didn't want to shock the market that much so we only did a 0.5 and we're going to do another 0.25 in December. That's what they told us. Now they went and did a 0.5 today instead. So what that means is that inflation is worse than what they're putting out there. We have to understand like what the likely future is because if they did a 0.5 instead of a 0.25, that means that their their numbers and their metrics matrices are not working out properly we could be due for another rate increase next time next year as well yeah january yep yeah if it was a 0.25 i would have thought that they'd probably stabilize this out and leave it alone now for next year the fact that they're a 0.25 i don't think that they're just going to go ahead and stop at this stage, right? And the states are talking about the same thing. So I don't think we're getting the real inflation numbers. And we have to be able to communicate that honestly to our clients, right? Our buyers and sellers. If you're you're an agent and you're, buyer, you're working with buyers and they're freaking out, like, and, and here's the other thing. I think before they even freak out, you got to talk to, they, they need to know and learn and understand the different types of mortgages available to them. There's a lot of different products out there. Like I said, beginning of the, the, the pod here, variable rate, fixed mortgages are what effect is affected by these BOC overnight rate hikes in Canada. And I, I'm working with buyers myself. I work with a lot of buyers still. I do enjoy that process. A lot of agents turn into listing agents. I need to be active. I need to be out there. I was with buyers last night and my buyers last night, their rates are locked in until March, 2023 and their fixed rate mortgage, right? When people were getting locked into mortgages, into variable rate, fixed rate mortgages, it was still the way to go. Uh, it was still less expensive than fixed rate mortgages. But with these, these, yeah, still is. But with this recent rate hike, the actual, the, the rate hike now, because of that, they have to realign the stress test because the stress test now is too low based on, because the rates are high. What I'm I was talking to my buyers about last night because everyone's talking about rates. Rates, 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 rates. That's all everyone talks about right now. It's crazy. Nobody talked about rates before because money was cheap and now money's expensive and everybody's talking about rates. These guys are in a fixed, they got a fixed rate approved till the end of March. They're pretty good. But what happens if they don't find something and they they don't find something before their rate expires? Now they're in a whole world of pain. The other side of this is the seller side, okay? So I have a listing. Uh, and this listing's been up for three and a half months. Now, it, it's crazy that it hasn't sold, but the price is way, it's below market value. It should move. It is now anyways. These guys are also buyers. So real estate agents are going to have people who are sellers that are wanting to sell before they buy, which is smart in certain markets, especially in mine. The problem is this. Those sellers were approved two and a half months ago before two rate bumps. It's important to make sure you're constantly talking to your sellers 
sellers to make sure that they're in constant contact with their lender to make sure that they can still afford something if they sell their house. Because what they could afford before the two rate bumps might be a lot less now after the two rate bumps, if that makes sense. And it all depends on what they sell their property for. So make sure you have a pulse on that as an agent. Don't wait until they sell their house and then realize that they can't afford to buy a million bucks. They, they have to buy 800 now, which changes everything, right? It's $200,000, different property, different type. That's what I'm dealing with right now with my sellers and buyers. That's not what we're really getting into today. We're going to talk about how to get creative to make sure yeah. the momentum keeps rolling rolling regardless if the rate hikes go up so this is kind of what i was getting at when we're talking about again like rate interest rates go up prices go down that's how it works in that environment there's going to be winners and losers so what i want to always do and this is the strategy i want to talk about i want to be making posts i want to be having conversations and i want to be working towards how can i help the winners win the most in this market and how can i help the losers lose the least in this market because if i could be of high value in this market people have to buy and sell still right every single day transactions happen closings <laughs> happen every single day so if i could really understand the direction of the market take a wild guess at you know roughly how long it's going to take for the market to do whichever direction it's going to do i can be of high value and high service and people are going to use me to navigate these difficult times yeah you're, you're positioning you're it's all about positioning right right just like in january february march april when it was impossible to buy a house being of high value to buyers is why people chose you because you were able to get deals done right so you have to be able to communicate that 100 so in this regard what when we think about it, so who's going to win in this type of environment where the prices are going down? Well, clearly buyers are going to win. Pretty much most buyers. So if you're like, let's say a first-time home buyer, I was actually talking to some people last night about this, and they were saying that it was too risky to get in the market because interest rates are going so high and prices are going so low. And I said, okay, well, when is the riskiest time to buy something? When it's going down or when it's going up? And they said, well, when it's going up. I'm like, okay, that's common knowledge nowadays, right? Thanks to social media and Warren Buffett talking so much on the internet and everything. And yeah, the riskiest time to buy is when it's going up because that's when you get caught flat-footed when the market spins down. Every day the market goes down is another day that it's on sale. And do we know when the bottom's going to be? For sure, no. But do we know if we're going to hold it for five, six, seven, ten years? Is going to be higher than it is today? Extremely likely. Extremely likely yep. that it's high. What I'm advising my buyers to do, first-time home buyers, people who are stepping up is another big one, is to make their moves now and do short-term mortgages. So one year, two years, three years. The other thing to understand is like these rates aren't wildly high. Like they're just wildly high compared to last year or earlier this year. They're, they're they're not they're not they're, they're like yeah it's 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 pretty average i think there's so much media propaganda like you know every time i go on like today there must have been a million posts on instagram about the bank of canada interest rate hike and like like everyone doesn't know that's happening i almost did my own post going hey i just thought i'd do a post on the bank of canada interest rate hike today because everyone else is doing it you know like it's but see what the problem is, what I've noticed is because I saw them too, obviously, right? But everybody just put the post up there saying the Bank of Canada increased the rates. But nobody said this is how you operate in this market. That's right. So what happens, the so first time home buyers, step up buyers and investors are going to win big right now. And I had all my guys write a blog on this yesterday. I said, who's going to be the biggest winners and who's going to be the biggest losers? And how do we cater to those people? So for example, investors, when you have a big announcement like this, where it's a 0.5 and we're expecting a 0.25, there's going to be pandemic 
pandemonium. There's going to be fear. There's going to be panic in the marketplace. Well, what's going to happen? People are going to shake loose. Not everybody, but people are going to shake loose. So this is the time, if you're looking for a flip, if you're looking for a burr, if you're looking for a buy and hold, whatever it is that you're looking for, there's a good chance if you go and make 10 offers, you get one lowball accepted right now. You probably weren't going to get any accepted last week. But right now, there's somebody out there that's thinking, oh shit, the sky is falling. I need to take anything I can get right now. And it's funny because I, I was talking to one of my investors about this and I said, guys, we all have to wait till December 8th to see what the, the rates do. And then they did what we weren't expecting. And the guy, he literally sent me 10 properties. He goes, can we go like 70 to 80% of list price on me? Two days ago, I would have told him no. Today, I'm like, yeah, we'll do a 30% discount on all of these. I'll write 10 offers for you today. And whichever one goes or whichever one gives the, the furthest discount, that's the one we buy, right? Because we're the good properties, good areas. The other thing to understand is when markets are trending up, there's I class properties in three categories, A, B, and C. So an A property is a good quality property in a good area. So that's a, a strong neighborhood with good amenities, good schools, good things. Everybody wants to live there. Could be old, could be new, doesn't matter. But it's good houses in a good area. Then uh, a B class property is either a good house in a bad area or a bad house in a good area. So I'm going to explain those two real quick. So a good house in a bad area would be an area that was old and decrepit and dying, but it's um, regentrifying, where it's getting flipped, infills are coming, flips are coming, infrastructure is coming, and that neighborhood is currently coming into to be new again. So usually neighborhoods that are in from like the 50s, 60s, and 70s, we're seeing that right now, for example. So you could buy an old shitty house in a good neighborhood, renovate it, and make a fortune. Or you could buy a bad house, or sorry, there's a bad house in a good neighborhood, or you could buy a good house in a bad neighborhood where you know that the neighborhood is flipping in the future. So like I almost bought a house, we lost, we actually lost this one. It was $1.1 million and uh, it would have been double what any house almost ever sold for in that community. But I know that community is going to be flipping five years from now, seven years from now, and that's going to be a two or even a $3 million house. Yeah, transition. Yeah. Right? So those are B-class properties. And then C-class properties are bad properties in bad neighborhoods that aren't flipping, that aren't renewing, and they're shitty old houses. You don't want those. When the market is going up, it is damn near impossible to buy an A property. There's going to be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 bids on those, even in a normal hot market. Even in a normal market, usually you have three, four, five bids. So when the market is going down, you get a chance to buy those on your own for the most part. So you can comfortably and confidently go buy A quality properties. Now, the one thing is, is as markets go down and down and down and down further, less and less people list their A-class properties. That's right. So right now, if there's any A-class properties that are listed, now is when you go and you put offers on them and you might get a little bit off, you might get a lot of it off, but you might get them before they aren't for sale at all anymore. So now is the time when if you're looking for an A-class property, now is when you buy it. Because when the market turns around, you're going to make your one, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars And maybe it goes down another fifty. But if it's going to go up a hundred, two hundred, three hundred, it's the time. I think, I think the main question you got to ask, I mean, you're obviously identifying pain points with your buyers. How long do you want this property for? Are you a buyer? Are you a first-time buyer? Is this a five-year property, a 10-year property? Because things are going to bounce back, you know, and, and those are important. Like you really need to know and understand the pain. What's going on? Why don't you want to buy this? Well, because if I buy it now and in a year or two, I won't be able, well, are you staying here for a year? Are you staying here for 10 years? If you're staying here for 10 years, you're going to raise a family here. This is a no-brainer on this eight-class property property, right? Um, That's right. The other thing too, that I'm seeing a lot of in Ontario is a vendor takes
take back mortgage. This is a creative way for an investor here to buy properties. And basically, if you were to buy a property for say a million bucks and you got the, the seller's got to have equity in the house. So say, for example, you buy a property for a million bucks. The mortgage balance on the property is half a million. There's $500,000 of equity in there. Let's say I bring a buyer to buy that house and they want to do a vendor take back mortgage, a VTB. Basically what happens, the seller's got to agree to it. The VTB will be on the other $500,000 that's outstanding. Basically what's going to happen is the buyer's going to get a mortgage for $500,000 and he's going to have to finance the other $500,000 through the seller. Usually with VTBs, you have to put 20% down. So let's say out of a million dollars, there is $500,000 mortgage plus the other $500,000, which is broken up into $300,000 vendor take back to the seller and your deposit or down payment of 20%, which is $200,000. You're essentially, as an investor or a buyer, have two mortgages. You have the $500,000, a fixed mortgage with a mortgage bank, with a bank or A lender, B lender, and you have a $300,000 second mortgage with the seller at a rate you decide. There's no fees involved. There's no nothing. That's you and the seller agreeing with, under the terms that I'm going to pay the extra $300,000 so I can afford this house as well as the $500,000 fixed mortgage. This works. There's a lot of risk involved, but as a seller, if you want to offload your property to a buyer who might not be able to afford it because the buyer doesn't have good credit or doesn't have great employment or doesn't make enough income or show enough income, this is a way for you to get creative to get a deal done. Um, as long as the, 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 the buyer has 20% to put down, the seller will also make interest money on the 300,000. Now, VTBs are not long-term. They can be. I mean, it depends on the on the, um, on the the terms that you and the seller as the buyer decide. However, there are stipulations. Like if the buyer misses a vendor take back payment per month at the rate amount agreed upon, the seller can actually sell the property. But it can get it can get messy because let's just say I'm a buyer, you have a listing, you're the seller as well. I buy your property from you and we agree to do a vendor take back of $300,000. Million dollar property, I get a $500,000 fixed, I vendor take back $300,000 from you at 7% and I also uh, put 20% in as a down payment. Let's say I'm an investor and I decide I'm going to rent that property out and I rent it out for more than what the vendor take back payment is and the $500,000 fixed mortgage rate is. And let's say I miss two payments, two months go by and I haven't paid you the vendor take back amount and you want to sell it because I've defaulted? Well, if I got tenants in there, now you got a real problem, depending on the province you live in, because that could take 12 months to get the tenants out. Having said that, there are a lot of pros to vendor take back mortgages and creativity to get deals done where deals didn't exist. And I'm seeing a lot and a lot more of that this, this time around with these rates, these average rates we're in right now. I'm seeing a lot of people getting creative and asking, the buyer agents asking the listing agent, hey, would your seller be interested in a VTB? And most times than not, the seller's going to say, no because they need all the money out of the house because basically what happens is when you if i buy a million dollar property representing a buyer when the property closes the seller will get seven hundred thousand dollars back not a million because the other 300 is is vtb'd with the buyer if that makes sense it's a creative way to finance a deal that couldn't get financed otherwise is what i'm saying and if anybody wants to talk about vtbs talk to your uh, mortgage professional uh, i am not a mortgage professional so i'm not 
giving you advice here. I'm giving you facts and scenarios. Basically, it's a creative way to get a deal done in a market where rates are high. Just something else to, to throw into the mix here. So what else are we? What else can we do as agents to, to keep the ball rolling uh, when, when people are like, ah, I'm going to wait till for things to calm down? Yep, absolutely. And if it's in people's best interest to wait, I tell them to wait because sometimes it is. Yeah, on the buy side, I think now is the time to buy good quality properties in good areas. And even myself, like I'm making my own deals. Like we just bought a house two weeks ago. I'm probably going to put another offer on one today that I saw last night. So I think it's a great time to buy it. Like I really, really do. Because you do want to buy properties for the long haul. So on the same token. Buy on the dip. Buy on the dip. Right? You buy all the way down. Sellers, on the other hand, there's different scenarios of sellers, right? Because usually what people sell, they got to buy. So if somebody's selling a more expensive house and going into a cheaper house, if the market's still going down, let's just use 10% as an example. So let's say someone's got a house worth, you know, let's say your area, $1.5 million, and they're downsizing to a million dollars. Well, if the market dips 10%, they're going to lose 150000 on the big house and 100000 on the little house. Uh, well, they're going to gain. You're going to gain, yeah, gain, yep. So that's a net loss of fifty thousand uh, dollars, and we all know that the lower the lower price houses perform better in downturning markets. If somebody's got a big house or a more expensive house and they're going into a cheaper one, now is the time to sell before they lose equity. Because people are like, oh no, I want to wait until it's worth you know X amount again. I'm like, well, it's still got to go down quite a bit before it starts going up. So like your ratios aren't going to work out in your favor. Whereas it's the exact opposite. On the other hand, if if somebody has a lot of equity in a cheaper house, they're stepping up. It might be a good but if that person does not have a lot of equity and the market keeps going down, they might lose all of their equity and be in a position where they cannot sell because there's no reason they got no cash left in their house. So you got to assess each situation like kind of base by base or case by case, sorry, and then give the right advice for people because it's not all the same. But these are what people should be posting about. And this is what people should be thinking about is what types of winners and what types of losers and how can I help them? Another big one is like renters, right? Renters are, uh, a lot of people are saying like, uh, I'm going to wait for the market to keep dropping until it hits the bottom and so on and so on. Well, I had two, two things to think about with that one, right? Why you shouldn't wait. Uh, one is I remember is around this time last year that we had the house that got in the news because we didn't have any crazy bidding wars like you guys have been having for a few years. Because that's going to be the general consensus of most people. So most people are going to say, oh, I'm going to wait uh, wait for the market to hit the bottom. So some of that low inventory is not going to get eaten up, which normally renters would buy, that entry-level inventory. And what happens is you have a surplus of renters. So what happens when you have a surplus of renters? It flips. You go into multiple offers for for rental houses, for landlords. That's right. That's exactly so what's landlord, happening here. That's exactly what's happened in my... It's been going on here for months. Yeah. So the, the landlords are going to win and the renters are going to lose. And sure, you might save a little bit of money on the way down, but if you if you miss it... So for what I was getting at there, there's a house that sold for $100,000 over list price uh, in the news. And it's funny because one of, one of the guys on my team is involved in that one. So I think we bid like ten dollars or $15,000 over list price and it went $100,000 and got to smoke. And the next day it was on the news. Well, as soon as it got on the news, guess what happened? Every single house was $100,000 over list price or more. In our market, I feel like it's going to do that again at some point here with all the positive migration that's happening. So if you're waiting and waiting and waiting for the bottom and you miss it by a day and that happens again, you're waiting to save 10, 15, maybe $20,000 and you just lost 100,000 while you were waiting and paying extra rent because the rent is going up. So this is what I strongly advise people. I say, listen, like the, the market is going down. We're not, anybody who like, oh, the market's not crashing. No, it's correcting. Yeah, like it's, it's, 
hemorrhaging in some areas. Yeah. 50% down. Yeah. It's still, and it's I, still higher today than it was pre COVID. That's right. Cause yeah. it's 2X. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but for, for someone to say like, it's not that bad or whatever, when it's like talking like it's a five or a 10% when it's like a fifth, like, yeah, that's a big deal for a lot of people that bought in the upswing. Right. But that does like, if you just give honest advice, then people are going to trust you and believe you as they should, because you're being honest. But I truly believe that buyers sitting on the sidelines right now, this is a good time to pick up prop. I do feel we're close to the bottom. I don't think we're there yet. Um, but yeah, you have to communicate that to them. Yeah. It's all, I think that's a good word to use too. Communication is massive. If you're just sitting around and, and having them, like you, you're, you're the expert, you're the professional. So make sure you're constantly communicating that stuff to your, your client base, right? That's all about building the relationship and positioning yourself as the go-to guy, not only for them, but for them to refer you to other people. One of the things that, you know, I want to go back to renters and landlords, tenants and landlords. One of the things that I'm starting to see and, and experience, not personally, but through my, my team, there's been agents in my team that have represented tenants and put them into properties they the tenants now unbeknownst to my my guys are defaulted in their rent they they basically are squatting in the house they would go and they'd give their first and last month's rent and maybe two extra months and in the in the contract it would be illustrated that those two extra months are for month 10 and 11 so they paid month 1 10 11 and 12 well month two comes up for rent and the the tenants like screw you i'm not paying you because i gave you four months up front the extra two months were for month 10 10 and 11, not month two and three. And so these guys are in default. And now these, it, it's going to take the landlord. You got a decision to make. Are you going to have a sour relationship with someone that's renting your, your $2 million asset? Because the rents here are like 4,300 bucks a month. Or are you going to take them to court and, and try to go through that and endure all that stress for the next 12 months? So landlords are winning, but landlords are losing. And I was talking about this in our mastermind yesterday, how there needs to be better protection for landlords. There's protection for for tenants, but there's not great protection for landlords, and they're the ones putting all the risk out. And, and no one's gonna kick somebody out that's got you know a baby on the way or small kids. Like it's just it's it's there's some messy situations going on right now because of rates and the way the rental market is where I am. People are taking advantage of it. And listen, it the, the person that it's fault, it's not the agent that represented the tenants. They probably checked all the boxes, did everything they were supposed to do. They didn't know the tenant was gonna turn around and not make the payment. The landlord has to agree to it and the landlord agree to it. So you, the landlord can't go back to the, the agent that represented the tenant and say, hey, you put a bad tenant in. Well, you agreed to it. You signed the agreement. I, I've heard of all kinds of messy things too. There's there's a hundred scenarios out there where you know people sold three months ago, rates are up now. They can't afford to buy the house they bought after they sold. So they defaulted on closing on the buy. They're getting sued by the buyers who they sold their house to. Oh, it's just, there's a lot of shit going on, but we're, we don't want to be focusing on the shit. We want to be focusing on the momentum and how to keep moving forward, as Rocky says, right? No matter how hard you get hit, you keep moving forward. And we're going to keep moving forward here. We've seen these downsides in, in, in many markets. And I listen, in, in almost 20 years in the business, I've seen so many ups and downs. I have so much experience with this, but a lot of people don't. A lot of people have never seen the rates this high in, in the real estate business. And the real thing that I'm going to be paying attention to is how many people are out of our business in the next 12 months because they don't know what they don't know as far as handling situations like this. I got no buyers. I got no sellers. Well, what are you talking to them about? Let's go back to that. What are you communicating to people? How are you building your relationship with those people? So that if they do say, I'm going to pause for a couple months and sit, wait for things to settle the fuck down, what are you doing in those 
almost two months with that with that client, right? Hundred percent. And again, it's what are you communicating? What are you following up? What strategies are you providing? What value are you providing? I think that's the biggest thing we, we talk about in this one. Yeah, there's going to be winners and losers in this market. You need to identify who that is and speak to them individually. And when you're making your posts. This is going to be, again, super important. You just put your hook out there in the front. Be like, are you a first-time home buyer waiting for the market at the bottom? This post is for you. Hey. Everybody else is tuned out because no one gives a shit, right? But that's are your you target. Saying, that's your target. Your target's your hook, right? Exactly, right? Are you thinking about downsizing right now in this market, but you're afraid about how much equity you're losing? This post is for you. Are you an investor waiting on the sidelines for prices to hit the blah, 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 blah? This one's for you. And folks, those of you who are listening, that is called intent. Your intent is to get that message out to that specific target market. And you do that just like Sean said with the hook. If you didn't hear that, rewind it, go back and play it again because it's super important that you you identify this with every post you put up. Well, I think because what happens is I see a lot of people talking out of both sides of their mouth because they're trying to cater to everybody in one post. And yeah, because there are going to be winners and losers. You can't have everybody wins and everybody in every post that's why the hook is so important and don't be shy or afraid to give it to people straight 99% of people who aren't first time home buyers are not going to listen to your first time home buyer post they don't give a shit people who don't have cash to invest are not going to listen to your post about investing right so that's why the hook is so important it's so that you can be super directed to people that you want to and you don't have to worry about sugar coating and trying to appease everybody now where would where would somebody find the content for this like I'm an agent I'm newer in the business and I want to po- put value out there where where, where I know where I would start. Where would they? Where would you start? You know, there's an old saying, R and D, right? Rip off and duplicate. And some of the best guys out there, that's all they do. They rip off and duplicate other people's stuff in their own words. I do it. I mean, it's it's definitely. If I'm a new agent, I'm struggling to to find. Where would you go? Obviously, there's the the oh. two biggest search engines, Google and YouTube. Yeah. But where else? So it's funny because we we talk about this a lot. But um, I recently just kind of came across a story that. Um, Kind of open my eyes a little bit to that, a little bit. So super quick, but how the story goes is like in the old time world, there's a guy who's like a foreman of a construction site. And every day he goes by this clock store and he sets his clock to the, uh, or he sets his stop, not a stopwatch, his pocket watch. He sets his pocket watch to the uh, grandfather clock in the window. Now, if you guys are familiar with watches, uh, back in the day, especially pocket watches, they were notorious for losing time, right? They could lose like four or five hours in a day sometimes, Mm -hmm. right? That's why like Rolex is so predominant now is because they were able to keep time so well, so so good. You'd have to reset them every day. So what happens is this guy was walking by the store every single day and every single morning he set his watch to the grandfather clock. Well, one day he went into the, the clock store and he was talking to the guy and he says, yeah, I'm looking for the clock in the house. And he goes, yeah, it's funny. He goes, every single day I uh, set my clock to your, or I set my pocket watch to the clock in your store. And uh, the guy goes, oh, really? He goes, funny. Uh, or he's, because he's the one that, sorry, he he does the closing whistle at the end of the day, right? So he blows the whistle at five o'clock when the shift is done. And he goes, you know what's funny? He goes, when my day is done at the store, he goes, I reset my clock to five o'clock based on your whistle. So what <laughs> happens is these guys are off completely because they're based on each other's things, right? Yeah. So when we're talking about rip off and duplicate, sure, there's the shortcut to that. But again, at the same time, you know, I say this a lot, there's the wrong way and the wrong way to do everything. And you have to end up just doing the research yourself for two reasons one so that you're setting your own clock so you're not off by somebody else's accord because there's a lot of that out there if you don't deeply understand the concept that you're talking about if you get somebody that sorry if you get somebody that shows up in your dms or if you start a conversation with somebody out in the world and you don't know 
in depth what you're talking about, you're not going to convert that conversation into a client anyways. So it no doesn't chance. matter. So as much as we talk about rip off and duplicate and sure, like there's, you know, there's a, there's a strategy there. I think that you just truly have to start paying attention and doing the work and people got to stop being so lazy and thinking things are so fast and so easy. So this is what I work on with my team right now. Because people always ask, like, Shelly, you seem to know everything. Like, how do you know so much about all this stuff? And I'm like, because I pay attention, right? I watch politics. I read the news. I find out what's going on with population migration. I understand what sectors and segments of my city are coming and going and what's strong and what's weak. And I understand macro and microeconomics. And what happens is you have to put all that information together to complete the puzzle so that other people can see the picture because they're not going to put in that work. So your job is to understand what federal policies are and uh, municipal policies and provincial policies and changes in regulations and what that's going to do to your city and your clientele for buyers and sellers and jobs and everything. And you need to be able to communicate that. Sure, we can rip off and duplicate, but if you don't really know, you're not going to close that deal anyways. No, no, I I think, I think everything you said there is 1000% correct. I spend, I don't have any real downtime. I like to have downtime. Like I just got back from Florida for two weeks and you know, it wasn't all sunshine and lollipops while I'm sitting there recharging. I'm educating myself on all kinds of the stuff you just said right there. But one of the things that you didn't say that I'm going to say is a lot of people don't really know and understand the stuff because they don't eat, sleep and drink it like we do. So one of the things I'm always trying to do when I'm learning something new is I'm trying to dumb it down for the people so that they understand you know I could read a big paragraph that's got 5,000 words in it I need to make sure that I can communicate that in 200 words so I'm pulling I'm highlighting I'm pulling out the, the main points saying you know hey what about this well you can read all this but at the end of the day this is what this means oh I see what you're saying and that's how I've had success uh, I don't write blogs I don't do any of that stuff anymore I used to uh, but I don't I just don't have the time but it doesn't mean I'm not paying attention to what's going on and I think as a professional a professional what Sean just said is something that should be part of your everyday routine and you should be digging deep and researching and finding out all kinds of stuff in our business that you can do in your market and then you take that information and you repurpose it into social media reels posts whatever but you're positioning yourself as an expert in your market by knowing all this stuff and you will you will build rapport like and trust with people that don't even know you by doing this i promise like the one i just posted a reel this, this morning on filtration soil everyone what the hell soil what are you a gardener i was in a i was in a house last night with my clients i know what filtration soil is and where i'm going with this is i did a reel this morning on my experience with my clients last night but i already knew what it was because i dug deep into it and i researched it so when i was with my clients they were saying before they even said what's that black stuff on the carpet by, around the baseboards i'm like that's filtration soil that's caused by xyz and in order to get rid of it you need to do this and uh you know so on and so forth and it's it's they were like wow that's great do i know what filtration soil is am i an hvac guy am i a carpet guy not at all i'm a real estate agent that's in the house i should know that stuff and to sean's point i only know it because i researched it and i was able to use it in my my showings and i'm building rapport like and trust with my buyers by educating them on what's going on with that carpet but i also made a social media media reel out of it and targeted buyers and sellers because if you're a seller and you got this in your house 
You want to get rid of it before you sell because buyers are going to use it as leverage against you. Oh, we'd give you this price, but we got to rip out all the carpets because there's filtration soil all over the place. I remember the one time I, I actually had this in a deal and I said that to the other agent. And you know what the other agent said to me, Sean? What's filtration soil? I'm like, go look it up. Go do your fucking research because I've done mine. Like, what's filtration soil? And the guy went and did his research. He calls me back. goes, holy shit, I had no idea what this stuff was. So that's what it is, right? Canny, right? Constant and never-ending improvements. Constant but, um, and never-ending improvements. I like that. That should be on a hat. Canny. Uh, yeah. That's funny. But that's yeah. what it is. And, and where you get this stuff, for market stuff anyways, is you guys just watch C-SPAN, right? Just spend 10, 15 minutes watching C-SPAN. Watch, unfortunately, the news, and you have to pick apart the parts that really make sense. Do your research. Don't just look at it and like multiple. Like, we all, our company owns Zucasa, really reputable. There's lots of good stuff on Zucasa, stories. There's all kinds of really good websites out there where you can get content. Uh, you can basically go to the two biggest search engines, Google and YouTube, and type in what you want to know there. You know, listen, I didn't call up an HVAC guy when I wanted to learn about filtration soil. I typed in black stains on carpet by baseboards and boom it all came up right i literally typed in what i saw and i oh that's what that's called great educate yourself make sure if you're gonna rip off and duplicate someone's stuff that you put it into your own words not their words uh don't read oh, something do, do some actual research on it yeah do some actual yeah. research on it exactly the post is actually not the gold right i talk about this quite a bit it's it's the knowledge that you get yourself by learning about what you're posting about. That's yeah. the goal. Because again, if you can't have a conversation on it, a, a thoughtful, intelligent conversation on it, you're not going to be able to convert conversations to the clients. No. That it doesn't. No, you're not. You, you got to you gotta know what you're talking about. You And you, you know, if you have an issue, role play, right? Role play with somebody. Like you can do that too, but read it over and over. You're, if you decide to write a blog, your blogs are yours. You have access to them 24 seven. Keep reading them until you really know and understand them. And sometimes you get more out of understanding your content that you would consume by talking about it with others right like i used to i read a lot of books and i read if, if i've read a book that someone else has read the same book i will talk about that book with that person kind of crazy because once i talk about it it kind of galvanizes everything i learned as opposed to just reading it I know you don't read books, like you think it's a waste of time, but you just well, read, I read books. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, well, that's another episode. But what I'm saying is, and, and I'm not knocking you. You you have your own way of like you're super smart. You got a, but I like to read. So mental fitness for me is reading, but mental fitness for Sean and anyone else is maybe listening to the book. Uh, it's still mm -hmm. mental fitness, right? It's it's mental fitness. It should be part of your day. But I I I think by talking about stuff that I've read with other people that have read the same thing, it galvanizes it better for me than if i just read it i still get a lot out of, out of reading there's different viewpoints on this thing that like you might read the same thing i read and my viewpoint is different from yours and i might have an aha moment when i hear what your viewpoint is and vice versa so that's Absolutely. that's the beauty of collaboration we've been talking here for a while i'm gonna wrap up we're gonna be doing more of these i promise uh we gotta get on here more sean we gotta pretty good base of listeners who are constantly dming us saying when are you guys putting out a new episode and i love i love it man i love it it's so cool it's so cool and it's so raw and uh for those of you uh seeing this i got this agent on tube hat on here today it's pretty cool uh these are the guys that do my youtube i'm actually gonna get him on here and he's gonna do a deep dive into his services and what he offers uh you can check out my channel at real will mansoor plug sean's got a channel too it's sean getty plug and he's not a plug it was just a plug that's, that's yeah the tie-dye wow. shirt is is 
off the charts. I'm a bit of, I'm a bit of a plug on the ice, but that's okay. He's a bit of a plug on the ice. Anyways, guys, I uh, appreciate you all listening. Sean, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. We'll see you guys next time. All right. See you guys.